It's a Mailbag Monday. We've got your questions about a hypothetical Cardinals package for Juan Soto and was keeping Jordan Walker worth it? Uh, Diamondbacks questions. Davison De Los Santos has been incredibly hot. Which pitchers in here can be impact guys? And a primer on the 40 and 26-man rosters and the Rule 5 draft. Let's talk about it. You are Locked On MLB Prospects, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Yes, welcome on in to Locked On MLB Prospects, your home for all things minor league baseball. I'm your host, Lindsey Crosby, baseball writer at Sports Illustrated. Thank you for making this your first listen every single day. And today's episode is brought to you by Vroom. With Vroom, you can buy a car entirely online and have it delivered straight to you, meaning you never have to go to a dealership again. So next time you need to buy a car, grab your phone, go to Vroom.com and check out thousands of great cars. So first questions from Travis on Twitter. Reminder, all of these questions in these mailbags come from listeners. If you have a question for the show, I'm on Twitter at Crosby Baseball. The show's on Twitter at Locked On Farm. Or you can email us, LockedOnMLBProspects at gmail.com. First question's from Travis on Twitter uh, concerning the Cardinals. And he said, two questions. One, could not trading for Juan Soto have been a good move for the Cardinals in the long run? And then two, how good is Jordan Walker anyway? Because a couple teams had been rumored to be asking for Jordan Walker in different deals, and the Cardinals didn't do it. So, first things first. Uh, Could not trading for Juan Soto be a good move for the Cardinals in the long run? I'm going to say yes. Uh, Partly because of the cost it would have taken to acquire Juan Soto. And then two, the fact that the Cardinals' issue isn't necessarily offense. The Cardinals' issue is pitching. You need more and you need impact pitching for the playoffs. And, you know, that's why you go out and you get Jordan Montgomery. You need more pitching. And Juan Soto gives, makes your offense significantly better for the next two and a half years. I mean, imagine that kind of 2-3-4 or 3-4-5 of Arenado, Goldschmidt, and Soto. That's insane. But the cost to do it would have been substantial. So I talked to Lucas Smith, who just actually left as host of Locked on Cardinals. We talked the day of the trade deadline when the Padres package was announced, and we kind of discussed what it would have taken, what an equivalent package would have been for the Cardinals. So caveat, this is not insider knowledge. I do not know what the Cardinals were discussing. This is just, we took the Padres prospects that they gave to the Nationals, found an analog in the Cardinals system to figure out what the package would have been. So you'll remember the Padres, the big league pieces was first baseman Luke Voigt, who was a replacement for Eric Hosmer, and left-hand pitcher Mackenzie Gore, former number one pitching prospect, uh, recently graduated. Uh, And then the prospects, number one overall prospect in the system, shortstop C.J. Abrams, number two prospect outfielder Robert Hassel, number four outfield prospect James Ward, uh, James Wood, sorry, and number 10 right-hand pitcher Jarlin Susana. So we tried to find the analogs. And so the analogs that we found, I think what we decided that it would end up being was Luke Voigt's role was to play first base in a major league piece, but we probably would have had that be either center fielder Dylan Carlson, who that was the report, was that the hang-up was the Cardinals would not include Dylan Carlson in the deal. 
or second baseman Nolan Gorman. Somebody to play in the infield to give you offense. Um, for left-hand pitcher Mackenzie Gord, there's not a young kind of stud pitcher in the, uh, who just graduated out of the system. So we ended up looking at a guy like a left-hand pitcher Matthew Liebertor, a number two prospect. I could also see that recently graduated big leaguer was the Josh Bell compensation. So if you take that out altogether and just say Josh Bell wasn't coming and you weren't getting you weren't giving up a recently graduated or a prospect pitcher for him, you can take that out. Uh, we had number one prospect, third baseman Jordan Walker, who we'll get to in a second. Uh, we had number three prospect, shortstop Mason Wynn, who is still sometimes listed as a two-way player. Uh, we just saw him at the Futures game getting out at like 101 miles an hour from short. Absolutely wild. Um, number four prospect outfielder Alec Burleson. And then number 12 prospect right-hand pitcher Inouye Pinagua. Uh, so you know, it was a 2017 IFA out of the Dominican and really um, has been starting this year and has looked pretty good uh, this year. He's in, he's in Palm Beach and he's 258 ERA with 115 strikeouts and 109 innings. So that was kind of the analog that we had. And still, you know, the Libertor to Gore thing is kind of a hit and miss. We were trying to figure out how to find a young pitcher that would fit in, but that was the package. And I think that when you look at the Cardinals, I think you're better off having not sent that much talent out for Juan Soto. Um, like we said, the, 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 the need right now in the system feels like it's more top-end pitching uh, guys who can get outs in the playoffs versus one more hitter. You've got plenty of offensive options. And so being able to get 75% of Juan Soto from a from a position player and getting a pitcher instead is more valuable to the team. And then long run, obviously, you're going to have these guys. These guys are going to be part of your core as they're coming up. Um, you know, Libertor is going to debut pretty soon. Um, Walker, I see Walker. Let's go ahead and get to that. Yeah, how good is Jason is uh, is is Jordan Walker anyway? So. 6'5", 220, 2021st rounder out of high school. He's moved rather quickly. Um, he is, I see him as a future cleanup hitter who's like a 35 home run type of player. He's playing third. There's a question 50-50 whether or not he'll stick at third. He's got good footwork. He's got good arm strength. Um, he's got the work ethic to get better. It's kind of a toss-up. I really, you know, runs well for a guy who's 6'5", 220. It's not blazing speed, but it's decent enough. I see him, since he's blocked, obviously, at third and at first by Goldschmidt and Arenado, I see it as something where, if it's me, I'm moving him to right field. I'm going to go ahead and start making that some of that change now. Um, Simply just to kind of get him familiar to that and play him next to a center fielder who is strong defensively. Harrison Bader just got moved. Dylan Carlson plays center field well enough. So you could do that. But stats this year on Jordan Walker. So double A, he's been there all season. 298, 388, 500. 12 home runs, 40 extra base hits in 85 games. So just about every other game he gets an extra base hit. Struck out 86 times to 45 walks. So walks pretty well. 
Um, I think that there's... Oh, yeah, he's also the best power hitter in the system. Let's just be clear on that. Um, very much, very much deserving of that number one spot. Um, I see him as a guy that... He's got a long swing. You're going to have swing and miss. But I think that the power that you get out of it is a decent trade-off for the swing and miss. Um, I think the hit tool is going to be average to above average. I still think he can get to above average. And then to go along with that, uh, you're going to have, obviously, double plus power. I mean, like I said, I see him as a 35 home run kind of guy in the middle batting cleanup or something like that for you. So I think he's going to be very, very good. And I think it's the correct decision to hold on to him versus moving him simply because you're going to have six years of control. And if you can play him at right field, you're going to have a, you know, a top four. You're going to have somebody like an Edmund lead off or depends. Edmund slowed down a little bit after the first half of the year. But uh, you're going to have Arenado, Goldschmidt, and Walker all in that lineup together. It feels like it's a very strong offensive core for you. In just a minute, I have some questions here from Alex on Twitter about the Diamondbacks. But first, today's episode is brought to you by our friends at LinkedIn Talent Solutions. As you gear up for fall, you need the right people on your team to help your small business fire on all cylinders. LinkedIn Jobs is here to make it easier to find the people you want to talk to faster and for free. You create a free job post in minutes on LinkedIn Jobs to reach your connections and beyond to the world's largest professional network of over 810 million people. Simple tools like screening questions make it easy to focus on candidates with just the right skills and experience so you can quickly prioritize who you'd like to interview and hire. And that's why small businesses rate LinkedIn Jobs number one in delivering quality hires versus leading competitors. LinkedIn Jobs helps you find the candidates you want to talk to faster. So post your job for free at linkedin.com slash locked on MLB. That's linkedin.com slash locked on MLB to post your job for free. Terms and conditions do apply. Okay. Arizona Diamondbacks. A couple questions here. These come from Alex on Twitter. First question is about the thoughts on Devison De Los Santos. Uh, and, and kind of what's his ceiling there? So six foot one eighty five. He's a twenty nineteen IFA out of the Dominican. Um, played in the complex league and in low A in twenty one this year. Low A most of the season just got promoted to high A. So one best power hitter in the system, similar to the Cardinals and Walker. Uh, I see him as a middle of the order kind of guy, batting fourth, batting fifth, giving you thirty home runs. Um. Stats, I want to tell you what his kid's done this year. So full season stats, mostly in A-ball, 78 games in A-ball, 14 in high A. But 336, 373, 528, 16 home runs, 76 RBIs, uh, and 101 strikeouts in 92 games. So he's striking out just over once a game. So... You know, that's 20, I'm just, I'm going to ballpark and say that's about 26, 27% of the time uh, based on number of at-bats. I can't do the math that quickly. But he's gotten better as the season's progressed. Listen to this July, 16 games divided between um, low A and high A in July. 391, 415, 632, five home runs, and 
as many strikeouts, 18, as RBIs, or I guess as many RBIs as strikeouts. So absolutely has deserved that promotion to high A and has been raking still in high A. Now, whether <coughs> sorry, whether he's going to stick at third or not, same thing as Jordan Walker, kind of a toss-up. Uh, thing here is he's got plus arm strength. There's a little bit of question about the accuracy of that arm from third. Um, he's got he's got decent reads off the bat. His footwork's getting better, but the range isn't great. So it's a toss-up whether or not he'll stay at third. If he has to move to first, he has to move to first. Uh, but he does have the work ethic where they think that he he's going to be able to to do it offensively. Again, he's got some swing and miss in the game. Like I said, just over once a game. I feel like he hits for enough power that that trade-off is worth it. You know, taking the... Like, yeah, he strikes out once a game, but he also gets an extra base hit just about every other game. It's, I mean, for the most part, it is worth it. He hits an RBI. He's just under one a game as far as pace for RBIs. So it is worth it. The power trade-off is there. Uh, he does hit the ball into the ground a little too much, a little too much for as far as grounders. Um, so the analytics are good on the batted balls as far as what he, when he puts the ball in play, as far as exit velo and launch angle and that kind of stuff, when it's not on the ground. And I feel like that's something that he'll get a little better with in time as he gets a little more comfortable in his swing and comfortable against the level of competition he's facing. Uh, but I really do like him. When we did the 2026 roster preview uh, on Locked on Diamondbacks, I think it was a week and a half ago, two weeks ago, this whole draft and trade deadline has just blended together. Uh, We talked about Josh Rojas being at third. I think if your most likely outcomes are if De Los Santos can stay at third, then he's your third baseman and Rojas is your utility guy that plays five days a week. If he can't stay at third, then some combination of De Los Santos, Ivan Melendez, and Christian Walker are your first baseman in DHs. I don't know if Christian Walker still has team control in 26 or not, but either way, there is first base and DH open, and you'll have Melendez, and you'd have De Los Santos, and then Rojas is your third baseman. Either way, it's one of the better cores of position players in all of baseball by 2026. So we'll see what happens there. But very excited to watch this. The Diamondbacks may be my adopted team um, in future years. That's just absolutely fantastic. The other question was impact arms in the system that could debut as soon as last year. So you've got a couple guys here uh, that are that are good pitchers. Uh, right-hand pitcher Brandon Fat, uh, big physical guy, 6'4", 230, pounds the strike zone. Has good spin rates, decent velo on his fastball, uh, good slider as well. I think he's a guy that absolutely is going to be a middle rotation guy, could debut. Um, I mean, honestly, he could, He's he has a grand total of uh, one game in AAA, but I think that you might give him a cup of coffee at the end of the year, depending on how he does, and then he competes for a job out of spring training. Um. I like him. Blake Walston, the lefty, I think has the most upside of just about any pitcher in this system. 6'5", 195. Tall, not as big, bulky body-wise. 
Struggled a little bit in high A, uh, 14 games, 638 ERA over 66 innings, 74 strikeouts to 27 walks. So looking to get the walks under control a little bit. Uh, throws everything for strikes. So not quite sure exactly what's going on there, but he's got the he's got the fastball. He needs to work a little bit on on the durability in the body. So maybe a little bit of some healthy weight would be good. It's something where um, his velo drops during the game, his velo drops during the season. So I want to get a little better at that. Slider, changeup, um, fastball, curveball. Curveball is the best at the secondaries. But just if I can see him get a little bit more uh, durability, a little bit more, more, I guess, healthy weight to help stand the rigors of a game in a season, I think he's absolutely a guy who could debut not probably not right away next year, but he's a guy if he if he has a good off season, you could look at a post a post All Star break call up uh, to see how he does. Probably more realistic that he's a twenty four guy, but still somebody who you could see. Um, Ryan Nelson, the righty, the twenty nineteen pick out of Oregon, uh, he's somebody I think needs a little more time. Um, he was a two-way player, didn't start pitching, didn't start focusing just on pitching until his draft year, until 2019. So uh, I think he's got a good chance to grow quite a bit. Uh, somebody you're probably, if I had to guess, I'm probably having him debut, um, I mean, maybe 23, but something where it's pro- I'd probably feel better. Yeah, probably, yeah pro- probably 23. He's got 21 games in AAA this year. Uh, the stats aren't great. The peripherals are fine. He's got it right at a strikeout per inning. Um, I'm sorry. Yeah, 108 innings, 108 strikeouts. Uh, 41 walks. You want to see him work on the control a little bit. Uh, and that was always his big bugaboo up until last year was getting the um, the walk rate down. Had a good 21 with that over high A and double A. Like I said, been in triple A just about all year this year. But mid-rotation guy. Um, if the if the changeup can get a little bit better and a little more consistent, probably looking at a guy who could debut next year. And then, I mean, plenty of pitchers in this system. You got Tommy Henry in your top 10, Slade Sassoni in your top 10. Sassoni's going to be a little bit longer, wasn't drafted until 2020. Um, Henry's a guy that's in, I believe he's in AAA right now. He's been He's been up and down a little bit. Uh, I think he's got one game at the big league level, but um, another guy that strikes out about a guy per inning walks a little too much, but you can work with that, but has the tools. You've got quite a few pitchers. This next wave of pitching is this close to the majors. So feel good about that. Feel good about the prospects for Davis and De Los Santos as well. In just a minute, great question from Jason about some of the the rules behind um, the 40-man roster and 26-man roster in the Rule 5 draft. But first, today's episode is brought to you by our friends at BetOnline. BetOnline.net is the fastest and easiest way to check in on all your betting needs. You can get your favorite sports and events and you know info about those at the number one site for, on, for odds, lines, and games. Reviews and news of every league. Uh, Major League Baseball, obviously. NFL, NBA, NHL, combat sports, golf, and even eSports. BetOnline continues to be the top online resource for all your sports wagering information, live in-game betting, 
scores, they have you covered. So head to Bet Online today or use your mobile device to learn more about the trends in action because Bet Online is where the game starts. Okay. So Jason on Twitter said that he's he's big into pro like he's recently big into prospects. And when I was talking about the trade deadline recap stuff, I mentioned how the Yankees answered some 40-man questions they were going to have coming up with the trade. And he asked me to kind of explain what that means and how that works. So 20, there's the 26-man roster and the 40-man roster, and then the Rule 5 draft pertains to the 40. So let's start at the beginning. 26-man roster, this is your active MLB roster. These are the guys that are playing in your big league games. You accrue service time when you are on the 26-man roster. Um, or the injured list, but not, not important. Um, all the way until September 1st, you are limited to 13 position players and 13 pitchers on the 26-man roster. But when we talk about a guy getting service time, it means he is on the 26-man roster. Um, everybody that... So there's rules about how many pitchers, how many position players. There's also rules about when a position player is allowed to pitch. You have to designate which one these guys are when they hit the roster. There are special players that can be designated as two-way players. Um, Obviously not a ton of those in MLB right now, but Shohei Otani is the most famous. A two-way player does not count towards the active roster pitcher count of 13. Position players can pitch but there are specific rules as far as it has to be an extra innings or your team has to be up or down by more than six runs when they take the mound. It's something where they don't want um, they don't want position players pitching in games that actually are, at that point, the game still matters. There are still questions about what can happen. Um, quick side note, on a doubleheader day, you can call up an additional player, the 27th man. He is up for the doubleheader. He gets a full day of service time, and then he is returned to the minor leagues at the end of that day. When you send a guy to the minor leagues, so off of the 26-man roster, back down to the minor leagues, most of the time, if it's a position player, he has to be down there for 10 days. If it's a pitcher or a two-way player, they have to be 15 days. If they're the 27th man, or if you need them to replace a player on the injured list, there's no minimum number of days they have to stay down there. And there is a rule about the number of options that you now have. It used to be uh, there was three seasons in which a guy could be optioned. And you could go up and down as many times as you wanted. It still counted as one of that player's three options. That rule is still the same. There are still three seasons you're allowed to send them up and down, but you can only send them down five times. If you send them down more than five times, they have to go on waivers and anybody else can take them. If a player does not have any options left, same thing. You designate them for assignment, they have to pass through waivers um, when they come off the 40-man roster. So the 40-man roster... This is a combination of players that are on the 26-man roster, players on your 7, 10, and 15-day injured lists, anybody who's on a bereavement, family medical leave list, paternity list, and then some minor leaguers. 
you have this is the players that are eligible to be on the 26 man roster. So you have to be on the 40 man roster to be selected to the 26 man roster. If you're on the 40 man and not the 26 man roster, you get sent to the minor leagues. That uses one of your options. Okay. Now, the rule about the 40-man roster is there are deadlines for when you have to put a player on them or they are exposed to the Rule 5 draft. So if you, acqu- if you signed the player when he was age 18 or younger, then he has five seasons. At the end of five seasons, you have to either put him on the 40-man roster or leave him unprotected, which means he's eligible for the Rule 5 draft. I'll get to that in a minute. The If he was signed at 19 or older, he has, at the end of four seasons, you have to make that roster decision. Unfortunately, 2020 does count for a lot of these players, even though they didn't get a season. So right now, you're in a situation where there are guys who needed development, didn't get development, so maybe they're not ready for where you want them to be, but you still have to make a roster decision on them this offseason. So what the Rule 5 draft is, it's usually in December. We didn't have one for the major leagues last December because of the missing season and then the lockout. But if a ball club does not have a full 40-man roster, so if they have spots open on their 40-man roster, they can go and select a player on another team's, like in another team's organization that is 40-man eligible and is not on a 40-man roster. So what this means is, if you have a guy who has finished his four or five years, and he's in your minors, let's say he's in AAA, and you do not, he is not put on the 40-man roster before the Rule 5 draft, then another team can select him in the Rule 5 draft. They pay you $100,000, They pay the club $100,000 to take that player. And then he goes directly onto your 26-man roster. You have to keep him on the roster all season. So the entire competitive season, he has to stay on the 26-man roster. If you want to take him off the 26-man roster, he goes onto waivers, and anybody can claim him. If nobody claims him, you then have to go back to his original team and say, y'all can have him back for $50,000. And if they don't take him, then he can go to to the minors. So the idea is, it's a player who's in AA, AAA, whatever. He's been in that organization for four or five years. But for some reason, he's not been caught up to the big league level. You can go take him, but you have to put him on your big league roster for the entire season. A good example of this, Akil Badu, outfielder for the Tigers. They got him in the Rule 5 draft. He spent the entire year on the big league roster. The start of this year, he was sent down to the minors, and he's been kind of up and down and back and forth this season. But last year, he spent the entire season on the big league roster because if they didn't do that, they were potentially or probably going to lose him. Um, 
So it's really the Rule 5 draft. The idea is, since you have control of a minor leaguer for seven years, the idea is if you have a guy that is ready to play that you are refusing to call up, you have to either use a roster spot for him or somebody else can take him. And something that teams or front offices are aware of is how many guys they're going to have to make a 40-man roster decision on in the fall, like in December, before the Rule 5 draft. And so what the Yankees did was the Yankees had a couple pitchers that were Rule 5 eligible, or were going to be Rule 5 eligible, that they maybe didn't necessarily think they were going to keep. So they went ahead and traded them so that they didn't have to worry about that decision and potentially losing those players for $100,000 in the Rule 5 draft. They said, he's, he's good enough where someone will want him, but he's not good enough for us to use the spot because we have other prospects who need it as well. So we're going to trade him away for a better return than $100,000. Um, we'll probably, I'm sure, as it gets time for the Rule 5 draft, we'll have a whole show about upcoming Rule 5 decisions and predictions, and then we'll have another, once teams actually make their protection list, we'll have a show there, and then right after that, we'll probably recap the Rule 5 draft and project how guys are going to do, and it's always interesting to kind of see how teams value that and how teams do that. Wild week coming up, a lot of crossovers, a lot of guests. Uh, some out-of-network guests coming up. We're doing a trading card focus show this week. I'm excited to talk about that. So, in the meantime, if you have questions for the show, I'm on Twitter at Crosby Baseball. The show is on Twitter at Locked On Farm, or you can email us, LockedOnMLBProspects at gmail.com. I want to put you guys in the mailbag on Monday. The, the Monday mailbag is exclusively questions from listeners about, um, about prospects, about minor league baseball, about how all this stuff works. So, Look forward to hearing from you. It's going to be a great week. But until then, this has been Locked on MLB Prospects. Uh-huh.